back after a two-week pause, and yes, we know you've missed us. Now, just like the sports we love talking about, we too have suffered a disruption from this horrible pandemic. Lee and I do not actually live together, and there were some cases around the area we are currently in, but luckily everything has cleared up. Both of us have tested negative, and we're obviously back to recording. So today, we've got a lot more NFL talk, obviously the NBA Finals, we've got a series now. And for the last topic, well, you know what? I'll just let Lee take the fun fact and the rant from here. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited to be back. We both felt a hole in our hearts as we were unable to record last week due to the aforementioned circumstances that my lovely partner Luke Bagoni has mentioned. But man, it's good to be back. I will get right into our fun fact of the week. Everton Football Club had not won their first seven games of a season since the 19th century, 1894-95 season to be exact. My goodness, that's, that's what, 125 years? That is very quick and very correct math, Mr. Bergoni. Well done. Quick hits for today's episode. Everton are top of their Premier League. Lee talked about, I think it was episode one or episode two, how the Everton midfield has been completely remade, and that's being shown now on a week-to-week basis, so... Lee will get into that into his rant in one second. The Lakers are fulfilling their role as the NBA Finals favorites. As we mentioned, we're going to get a great game for tonight. Unfortunately, this episode will probably not be out prior to the game, so we apologize for that. Next up, we were a little too hot on the Arizona Cardinals. Last time we recorded, they were pretty freaking good, and now they've lost two straight games to the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers. We'll get into them a little bit. Cleveland ran Dallas out of Texas literally that was an embarrassing game I'll obviously get into that as a huge Cowboys fan the Buffalo Bills are for real and Wentz has saved the Eagles season and after that performance on Sunday night yes it was only one performance I feel a lot better about the Eagles going forward although it pains me to say that but Lee take it away with the rant of the week ladies and gentlemen we are back again with another positive Everton based rant of the week Two-in-one podcast season seems surreal based on the life that I've lived as an Everton fan, full of so much misery, disappointment, hope that's gone tarnished. But here we are. I couldn't be happier. In my life, Everton have never had this much success at this stage of a season, or never have they played this style of lovely, goal-scoring, fun-to-watch, exciting football. I'm going to say football because it makes me feel more official. So, I'm sorry. We get it. We get it. You've been to London. (laughs) We get it. You've been to an Everton game before. Yes, I have. And it was the best day of my life. Moving forward, the new signings are doing exactly what was hoped. The board has backed Ancelotti. They've trusted in his vision and it is paying dividends so far. James Rodriguez has created the most chances in the entire Premier League. He has three goals and two assists to show for it in the Premier League and has added an assist in the single game he played in the League Cup. He has been a revelation to this Everton team. You see his teammates realizing that there are runs they can make that he can find. Quite frankly, no one has ever done for them before. Um, Alon picked up a knock in the last League Cup game, but it looks like he's going to be back for the big one on October 17th against Liverpool. He has been the exact missing piece the midfield has needed in terms of a kind of pit bull mindset, um, which is exactly what they've been missing since they let Adrissa Gay go uh, about two years ago. And uh, Abdullah Decore has been a fantastic addition. Got a wonderful assist. Um, this past weekend he's a box-to-box player who genuinely does not seem to ever stop running he genuinely does not get tired it's amazing to watch what a player and finally the most under the radar of the signings was the free 
excuse me, was a very, very inexpensive signing of a young lad, uh, Niels Nkunku, from uh, Marseille's Youth Academy. And uh, not many people knew much about him, but he's played two games in the League Cup, and in his first two professional starts, he's won a man of the match. So a young left back, which gives us some great cover um, behind our beloved Luca Dina. But he's been fantastic in his um, in his few appearances. And uh, at just 18, he's an exciting player to watch moving forward. And even more exciting is the players who have seen their levels lifted by the new signings and by Carlo having a full offseason to truly implement his style of play. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is genuinely unstoppable. He's the top scorer in Europe right now. I never thought those words would come out of my mouth. Jesus. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is leading all of Europe in goals in all competitions. I've heard you rant about him before about how great he is, but... His performance was good, but it wouldn't necessarily match how much you talk about him. But man, something about him under Carlo Ancelotti, he becomes clinical. He gets in the right spots. He puts balls in the back of the net. He's got nine goals in all competitions with six in the Premier League, which puts him joint top with Youngman Son. Not a name I thought I'd hear uttered alongside his. Richarlison looks dangerous every game, all game. He's not really in the goals yet in the Premier League, but he's been super dangerous and he does a great job tracking back to defend, which helps out Luca Dina a lot because Luca Dina loves to get forward. And it just, he provides a dynamism to the squad that really can't be matched. And um, the back line, which last year I thought was one of the weak points of the squad, really looks assured. Even a guy like Yeri Mina, sometimes he looks like a bit of a big oaf out there, but he's been really nice. He scored a great goal on Saturday. Michael Keane looks like a man reborn. He played a fantastic ball over the top to Calvert Lewin in the League Cup. Um, for a beautiful assist. He looks so confident. He scored some goals. Honestly, just the whole team looks revitalized. Even guys who I would have personally paid money for them to leave this summer to go to another club have looked revitalized. Fabian Delft, Giffy Sigurdsson, and Tom Davies, I would have driven across the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, I did not misspeak. I would have driven across the Atlantic Ocean and driven them from Liverpool to another club just to see them leave last season. They were awful. But all three of them have had very, very, very strong cameos off the bench this season. And it's things like that that give you hope, that make you excited, that give you a lot of joy to see these players that really could have been discarded after last season to kind of find their form again and, and find joy in playing again. And now we've got a two-week international break. All I hope for is that Everton's players don't get hurt on the break. Dominic Calvert-Lewin got his first England call-up, which is awesome. Couldn't be happier for him. I am praying every night that he does not get injured. I will be so sad. Um, and it's going to just be very fascinating to see if this form carries over mm-hmm. to the second half. To see if this form carries over past the international break. They are given an immediate test as soon as the break is done. First game back, Liverpool. Merseyside Derby. This will be the most hope I've ever had going into a Merseyside Derby in my entire life. I have never gone into a Merseyside Derby expecting to win. But this is the first time I will be going in to a Merseyside Derby, not expecting to get slapped around. Now, let me ask you the question that I think most people would ask you. Let's not go with champions of the league yet, but do you think they're contenders for top four? I think if they can keep taking people by surprise and they can maintain this dynamic flow that they play with and the positivity going forward and the solidity at the back, they can compete with any team in the league, which is, again... Unbelievable to hear coming out of my own mouth. 
I don't think they're going to win the league. I'm not going to get carried away. The form's going to drop off at some point. The Premier League is weird, man. I mean, we saw Leicester City literally win the league, I think it was 2016. And then City, United, and Liverpool pumped about half a billion dollars into their squad to make sure it <laughs> never happens again because the Premier League said no. It's really, really fun to be an Everton fan right now. I know the form's going to drop off at some point. It's going to be about maintaining positivity throughout the long, long haul of the season. But, man, it's fun right now. So... Up the toffees, let's move forward. Certainly winning with anything you're associated with, whether it's a fan, you're part of the team, winning is always the best feeling. Now, enough with the soccer talk or football talk, whatever Lee wants to say to make himself himself sound more official. Let's get into the NBA Finals. We have not had the chance to talk about this series yet because of our delay, and then the finals, with the way the time worked out, we didn't have the opportunity to. So, I want the Miami Heat to win. I, I really do want them to win this series. My prediction was, I think I said Lakers in six, and I'm sticking to that right now, but man, am I happy that Jimmy Butler just turned on a different mode in game three and actually made this series because I was getting so tired of people saying the Heat don't deserve to be here, the Nuggets were better than the Heat. I, I had someone tell me that Houston and the Nuggets were both better than Miami Heat. I was like, you're completely underrating this Miami Heat squad, and now that you know they have a win under their belt... Without Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic, it's kind of shut some haters up a little bit. And if we see Miami win tonight, oh my word, I'll have the biggest smile on my face. It's nothing against LeBron James or Anthony Davis. I honestly just cannot stand Laker fanboys or LeBron fanboys that just follow him around everywhere he goes and just pump him up as this more than life or pump him up as this god. Like, I just, I can't stand it. It irks, something about it really just irks me. So... Really hoping we get a result out of Miami tonight. Yeah, there's so many fun things that you can dive into with this Miami team. There's some really cool storylines. You've got Jimmy Butler, a guy who's been labeled so incorrectly as someone who can bring down a locker room. You've got Tyler Hero, who just was born confident, apparently. He, he was 13 years old, probably thought he could play in the NBA, and now he's getting a chance to shoot the lights out, which is really fun to watch. Duncan Robinson who played Division Three? Shout there's out. Hope, there's hope for all you fellas. And he's had, he's, he hasn't had the greatest impact. And listen, I think even in Game 2, you can't play the if game. But if Drogic and Bam Adebayo had played, Miami shot poorly in the first half of that game. In Game 2, shot 32%. And they go on to lose that game by 10. They were in it the entire way. If those two play, we're looking at a different series. Now, just before the podcast started, Bam Adebayo was playing tonight, which... I don't know how much he'll be used. I'm not sure how he's feeling. I'm sure, in my opinion, he'll be more of a decoy on the court or just a body out there to try and grab some rebounds, try and defend AD a little bit. I'm not sure how effective he'll be. But it's something. It's not Kelly Olenek out there. And I think we'll see a bit of an impact on the offensive side. But more so, like I said, just having him out there is just an encouragement or just an energy boost for this Heat team. Yeah. Um, I wish that Bam and Dragic hadn't been hurt, but obviously you can't play the please game. Mm -hmm. But I really think that now with teams that have really kind of burst onto the scene and aren't used to being where they are, which to be fair, Miami's been a playoff team for a long time, but they haven't been to the finals without LeBron in a long time. Obviously. 2006. Exactly. Um, so there's a lot of guys on this squad who really haven't been there before. So getting that first win under your belt is huge. And mm -hmm. even more so, getting a win under your belt without these two guys who, quite frankly, no one stops talking about them being out, mm -hmm. is really going to give them a huge confidence yep. boost that now you get one of them back, 
you really feel like, hey, we're back in this series. We belong. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, yeah, Jimmy Butler said exactly what I was thinking following that win. They realized this Lakers team could be beaten. They're not this godly team, honestly. I've been saying all year, Charles Barkley said it the other day, that this Laker team is made up of two studs and a bunch of average to below average NBA players. Yeah, I mean, I saw a petition going around online that if the Lakers win the title, Kyle Kuzma shouldn't get a ring. <laughs> And He's awful. He's dreadful. It's really, really bizarre, but it's also a testament to just how good LeBron and AD are mm-hmm. that exactly. two players can really dominate that much. For years, we've been talking about how every NBA team that wants to win a title needs three guys. The Lakers might show that you only need two. Mm-hmm. All year, the narrative against the Lakers has been they've only got two guys, it won't be enough in the finals. So Out of three the games, question, they've yeah. shown that it is enough. The question raised, was this an easier-than-usual road to the finals? Okay, so I think for me... The huge aspect that is lost in the bubble is playing in the finals or even the playoffs on the road. Mm-hmm. Home games in the playoffs, the atmosphere is so different than it is for away games. This is basically like an AAU tournament for all these guys. Yeah. There's no real differentiation between a home or away game. It's just what color jersey you're wearing. Mm-hmm. So there's really no pressure on the road or at home. And even when you're at home, sometimes your home fans get on your back if you don't have a good start. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to a crumble. If you're on the road... The away fans are going to be, I mean, the home fans, if you're on the road, are going to be on your ass all game. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge, huge element that is subtracted from the equation. So for me, I'm going to go easier. It is more challenging because you've got the issue of these guys not being able to see their families, their friends. They're stuck in the same hotel for a month. But at the end of the day, I'm going to chalk it up to these men are professionals. They've been playing basketball their whole life. They're used to being away from their families, as sad as that can be sometimes. When it comes down to the basketball side of things, no away games, no away fans, all that stuff, I think makes this an easier road to the finals. I agree with you in the easier aspect, but I'm not sure it's to an extreme degree because with that argument, this Lakers team is fantastic at home. They would have had home court advantage through and through, the first round all the way to the finals. So that definitely plays to their advantage. And their team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I know he hasn't really been in the playoffs much before, but he's still an NBA star who could pull out road games, could pull out road game wins in, I think, every series they played in. So I do think it's a bit easier. It's been a weird NBA playoffs. They've been in this bubble now. When did they get there? July. They started games July, I think, 31st, something like that. And they got there mid-July. So we're approaching almost three months now in this bubble. And that's definitely a long time. I would, like I said, I'm going with easier, but not enough that I could really discredit either of the title winners. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to be in the camp that says this ring doesn't count for LeBron. I think that's just a way for people who hate him to kind of look to just take a little dig at him. I th- yeah, I think, I think the no fans aspect is actually messing with the people watching on TV, which then makes them believe that the ring might be flawed. Does that make sense? Like, oh, NBA completely. Finals. Yeah, no, it's the, the perception is definitely altered for mm-hmm. fans versus what the players are yeah, thinking. Yeah, like the NBA Finals were used to all these fans screaming like there's the trophy embedded on the court somehow. Mike Breen, I know he's screaming bang now, but, you know, it's just a different vibe, a different ambiance when there are fans there. And I think, like you said, the perception of people watching on TV is certainly changed as a result of playing in, in front of no fans. Yeah, I think we see it differently than the players. If it was really that different, i got to assume the players would be making more of a deal about it. The players would be saying more about it in interviews and all these things. But, like I said, they're professionals. 
Either way, we're getting a great series. Mm-hmm. The entire yeah. bubble has been a tremendous success for the NBA. A huge testament to them. Everything they've done with the testing and even the way they implemented friends and families. There's been no hiccups. So, mm-hmm. really, we tip our cap to the NBA. Whatever happens in this series is going to be really exciting. We're hoping for a good one tonight. Hopefully that he can even end up just so we get an even better series moving forward. But let's move on to some NFL talk, Luke. Yes, sir. So the Arizona Cardinals have cooled off since we declared Kyler Murray as basically the greatest quarterback of all time. So they go into the Detroit game, and it felt like a trap game. I mean, there's not much. This is an Arizona team. I feel like there isn't much to talk about here, but the defense has kind of been exposed. They knew they need Buda Baker back in that secondary. Then they go and lose to Carolina this weekend, who after two weeks, I saw probably 100 images of Trevor Lawrence photoshopped in a Carolina Panthers jersey, which at the time, it made no sense to me because I was like, this Panther team is going to win some games. Like, Teddy Bridgewater wins games, and Matt Rule will begin to figure it out. They actually look like a decent team, but still, that's a bad loss for the Arizona Cardinals. And in this NFC West, it's tough to lose multiple games in a row and still consider yourself a division contender considering the Seahawks are now sitting at 4-0. The Niners are at 2-2, but are missing Jimmy Garoppolo and a bunch of other players. And then the Rams are sitting at 3-1. So these last two games of the Cardinals, I know they started off well, but it's actually these losses are bigger than they may seem. Yeah, that division is so stacked, and it could really come back to bite them later in the year. We don't know exactly how. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean we're not, I'm not trying to overstate that these losses – I'm not trying to say that these losses have blown this season because that's certainly not the case. I'm just trying to say in this – in the hardest division in football, I don't think there's any any argument about that. It's tough to drop games, especially to non-divisional weak opponents like the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers. They haven't done themselves any favors here. We were looking after those first two weeks, and we were saying they could be 5-1 and one after six games. Mm-hmm. And now, with the way they've played the last two weeks and the way the teams that they've got scheduled have been playing, we don't know as much anymore. Yeah, I mean, they do get the Jets this week, so you can basically pencil that in. As a W. Now over to my team, the Dallas Cowboys, and the embarrassment that was the performance on Sunday. You gave up over 300 yards on the ground. At Who home. does that? That you don't even do that in a backyard football game with your friends or during recess. You, that's just something that does not happen. You do it at home. You do it to Ernest Robinson. I think he was the backup running back that came in after Nick Chubb got hurt. I mean, obviously Kareem Hunt is there, but he rushed. For nearly 100 yards, a guy who I don't even know if he had an NFL snap prior to Sunday's game. I mean, it's utterly embarrassing. Like, people are saying, how bad could this Cowboys defense be? How much worse could they be? Like, no, they are the worst. You cannot get worse than what they were on Sunday. They've given up 126 points in three games. That's 42 points per game. That's six touchdowns. You're at, You're giving up six touchdowns a game. That's utterly ridiculous. I honestly don't think they've forced more than 10 punts so far through four games. I don't know the exact stat because, honestly, I'm just, like, embarrassed to even look. I'm embarrassed to call myself a fan of this franchise. When Dak Prescott has had to throw for just about 450 or 500 yards. He threw for 502. He's on pace, Lee. Sorry to interrupt you. He's on pace. He is 1,700 or 1,690 to be exact. That's on pace for 6,800 yards. Do you know how many, like... The yard record is 5,400 set by Peyton Manning. Dak is on pace to shatter that. And they're 1-3. and three, And they honestly should be 0-4. Like, it's comical how poor this defense is and how poorly coached they are, starting from McCarthy all the way down. I think we got to see Mike Nolan. If Daniel Jones goes off this weekend, 
I'm usually not someone to move off a coach so quickly or a defensive coordinator. I'm not going to move off McCarthy yet because you can't judge someone after five games unless it's like Freddie Kitchens. But Mike Nolan, he's got to go <laughs> if this weekend goes as poorly as the last three games have. I mean, 36 points per game in total over four games and 42 over the last three. I mean, come on now. Come on. You let Jared Goff tear up your defense. That's Imagine how bad it would be. If the offense wasn't so damn good, they'd be losing. They'd be losing these games like probably like forty-two, fourteen every week. They haven't even played the one elite quarterback they've played. They've played Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, and then Russell Wilson, who I think is the clear MVP candidate, and then Baker Mayfield. And these teams, Seattle. I mean, Russell Wilson just threw all over you because he's Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan, he moved down the field like like it was absolutely nothing in front of him. And then Cleveland, I mean. How do you run for that much? 300 yards? Is that so many yards? They're running the ball. It's not even passing. On the positive side for Cleveland, that was the most Odell Beckham Jr. has looked like himself in two years. Yeah, because he played the fucking Cowboy secondary. I, As someone who plays so much fantasy football, you are starting every receiver ever versus Dallas Cowboys. The top of the waiver wires this week has the Dallas Cowboys defense as the number one pickup in many of my leagues. Is that a joke? I don't care if they're playing five-year-olds at recess tossing around a foam football. I don't even I don't even fucking know what to reference. That's how bad this defense is. I can't even I, I'm repetitive I'm I'm going off on a tangent at this point and I'm incredibly repetitive. Oh my god. But it needs to be emphasized over and over again how bad this defense is. Yeah, Baker threw for like what, like 150 yards? I don't even know. I they got it to within three with five minutes left. And I was like, holy shit, they're not going to pull this off again. Like, no way. The fantasy app stops working because I wasn't able to really watch the game. The stream was slow. wasn't really working. So I just hopped onto the fantasy app, which gives play-by-play. The fantasy app wasn't working. And if that doesn't work, I go over to Bleacher Report, which is always on point. So I go there and I see 47-38 in the transition from the fa- the kickoff on the fantasy app to that time, the Browns scored a 50-yard rush touchdown through OBJ on an end around that looked like it should have gone for a 15-yard loss. I see 48-30, and I'm like, or 47-30, and I'm like, what? And then hold up, last thing, last thing before we move on from the Cowboys, they kick the extra point. It's blocked. You think, okay, whatever. The ball somehow finds its way into the end zone, and the Browns recover, and they get two points. I mean, the game was over at that point. But if that doesn't characterize how these last, how these four games have gone so far, then I don't know what will. You can't give up two trick play touchdowns of more than 50 yards. You can't do that. You can't do that and win football games. Moving on, we'll let Luke breathe a little bit. We're going to move forward to a positive story about a team that had a lot of questions to answer going into this year. The Buffalo Bills. They They're are Josh, legit. Josh Allen is, is good. I was wrong on him. Straight up. Like, I'll, I'll eat the bullet. He's he's finding receivers. He needed a, a number one receiver in Stephon Diggs. I still cannot believe. I know you got a first-round pick for him, but just trading wide receivers like that, like the Houston Texans did with DeAndre Hopkins and now the Vikings with Stephon Diggs, I think it's a big mistake, and he looks like a revitalized player in Buffalo. The whole offense looks different, and their defense actually hasn't been as dominant as it was last year, but they haven't had to be because Josh Allen is – a dark horse MVP candidate right now. Josh Allen so far has eliminated his main issue, which was turnovers. 
He has thrown one interception, yeah. and that one interception was pretty much a fluke play where the ref had it in his hands. He could have closed his eyes and flipped a coin and decided which team to give it to, and he decided to give it to the defense. Mm-hmm. His control has looked fantastic. I saw something online where someone said, I didn't know you could teach a quarterback to be accurate once they got to the NFL, but someone's <laughs> done it. And his control has forced defenses to kind of play tighter, and that allows him to show off his mm-hmm. rocket arm. And his and his rushing ability. The guy can take off. And he's, and I mean, the reason why they drafted him, he fits the Buffalo narrative as this huge, tough guy. I mean, joshallen.com, he can throw the ball far, he can take hits, he runs quickly. I mean... He runs like a tight end. Yeah, honestly. He run, he, like, once, he, once he's got the ball out of the out of the pocket and he's moving, he's looking to run, yeah, he I, runs like a tight end. Like, Sean McDermott, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good of a job he's done with this Bills team since he took over. I mean, this Bills team, they were one of the laughing stocks of the NFL. And now they're definitely, I'd say, heading back to the playoffs for the second straight year. It's really awesome because you see so many young quarterbacks who come into the league and they are just put in a position to fail. Yep. It seems like no matter what, they got no chance. You look at Sam Darnold. You can say what you want about him, but he's never been put in a position to succeed. Sean McDermott has done one of the most fantastic jobs of an NFL coach that I've seen in recent memory who has given a young quarterback everything he needs to have success. Mm-hmm. He has made sure that as much as possible throughout his career, he's playing within himself, he's not asking him to do too much, and now we have to assume in the offseason he saw a ton of development in his accuracy, a ton of development in his ability to lead an offense. He said, all right, here are the keys. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly shown a ton of trust in Josh, which yeah. is really, really cool to watch as a fan. Mm-hmm. So like you said, I don't think he gets enough credit. In the conversation about some of the best coaches in the NFL, you hear names like McVay, Shanahan, all these guys, I think McDermott is seriously beginning to be a person who you got to throw his name into the ring. Yeah, 100%. And like I said... What's been done with this Bills franchise has been nothing short of really impressive, especially when up to this year you've been in a division with Tom Brady and you're still in a division with Bill Belichick. So I think the Bills are the favorites in the AFC East. We'll see as the season goes on. Last NFL team we're going to talk about, the Philadelphia Eagles certainly salvaged, I wouldn't say their season on Sunday, but definitely prevented chaos from breaking out amongst Philly fans because they're some of the craziest fans you'll ever find in sports. But Carson Wentz, he looked like the quarterback that they signed that large extension to. I mean, he was playing with no receivers out there. Like, you could have put Lee and I in an Eagles jersey and honestly played wide receiver because it was poor. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey's out. Jalen Rager's out. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is out. Deshaun Jackson's out. Dallas Goddard is out. I can go on and on. Lane Johnson went down. Jason Peters went down. They lost Brandon Brooks prior to the season starting. This team is on thin ice in terms of just available bodies. And Wentz goes into San Fran, one of the toughest places to play, although there is no fans, against one of the best coaches in the NFL and beats the San Francisco 49ers. Now the Niners didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins basically handed them the game on that pick six. That was actually comical. I mean, I I started laughing as he threw that pass. It was right to the Eagles linebacker. It wasn't even near receiver. Chris Collinsworth tried justifying it that, oh, what we saw on TV looked like it was a terrible pick, but he's actually expecting his receiver. I was like, no, 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 Chris, you're wrong. That was just absolutely dreadful. Then CJ Beathard comes in and goes right down the field. But anyway, still winning in San Fran. That's an impressive feat. And this Eagle team, I think, I mean, they're hit with injuries every single year. And I think what they need to do is just 
Carson Wentz needs to avoid his turnovers, which he's had an issue with this year, but continue to play smart and then just don't force anything. Your defense is good enough to hold other offenses in check. And I think this Eagle team, if Wentz can just play smart and limit those turnovers with how bad this Dallas defense is, I think they can win the division. If they can see this as a nice turning point for a season, then they can progress forward well. If they lose this game, it is all... All bets are off. Everyone is asking for Peterson to be fired. Everyone's asking for Jalen Hurts to play over Wentz. Yeah, the Jalen Hurts mumblings were already happening. Exactly. So, we see them now get a win. Tough place to play against, to be fair, a depleted 49ers roster. But still a team that won the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Even a team that's just the skeleton of a Super Bowl roster. It's impressive. Exactly. So Man, George now, Kittle looked like a kid. 15 catches. He's a man possessed. 183 yards. That's... 15, That's an insane stat line. 15 targets, 15 catches is impressive. Arguably the best tight end in the league. Fun to watch. But back to Philly. This feels like it could right the ship for them if they just kind of center up, take a deep breath, realize that if they play within themselves and they don't force it and they can win football games, they don't have to be great to win this division. Mm-hmm. Everyone well, knows this. This division <laughs> is awful. Ultimately, I think it will come down to a matchup versus the Cowboys like it literally does every single year. And... I just laugh thinking about that matchup as Carson Wentz throws for 500 yards with Greg Ward, and uh, I don't even know who else I can include there. He'll be throwing to high school receivers against the Dallas Cowboys secondary, <laughs> and he will throw for 900 yards. Um, good for them. It's you never <laughs> want to see teams fall to 0 and 4. Mm-hmm. They would have been 0 3 and 1 actually. They tied. Oh, you're right. The Cincinnati oh, Bengals. But oh shoot. That NFC East, it's bad. There's no other way to put it, and. It's it's just sad, but, you know, we can talk about that every single week. That's going to do it for our NFL talk. We're going to close out today's show with our stuff of the week ranked. We're going to look at the best sport video game franchises. Very excited to get into this one. This will be the last topic of the show. So, Lee, you want to start us off? There's one I got to go with, the number five, just because it's such a classic and it does the job every time. Great game, fun with friends, fun by yourself if you want to. But I got Wii Sports in at five. It just has to be in there. It's as kids who grew up as kids who grew up with the Wii, we all played Wii Sports, and that was the thing to do when your eleven year old friends came over. You played Wii. Play tennis for probably an hour and then get sick of it. Nah, man, baseball was legit. I missed the Wii. It was great. Um, I've actually still got one. It's fun to play with your friends every now and then. Wii Sports Golf is a fantastic experience. Got to get the caddy. Got to get the whole nine yards going. That's my number five. I got Wii Sports. Give me your five. I got NHL, and I was a huge NHL fan of the New York Rangers growing up. I've kind of faded a little bit, but they do have the number one pick tonight in the NHL draft. They got lucky, which as this episode releases, the pick will already happen, so there you go. But anyway, NHL, they just didn't have many game modes, though. It was really just, they added Ultimate Team over the last couple years, but that was after I got into what will be my number one game or franchise. But the gameplay itself is a ton of fun. But it's just, I think, the lack of popularity of the league. And at the time, you know, it was it's a fun game to play with friends, but it wasn't something, you know, you do a franchise, you do online, head-to-head, and that was really about it. That was all you could really do. I think the issue with the NHL video game is a lot of people who are big NHL fans, quite frankly, are just not video game players. It's just yeah. not a demographic that lines up very well. Mm-hmm. Where you look at other kind of niche games, and I may be being harsh to the MLB here, but MLB The Show does very well because 
there's a huge crossover between MLB fans and video game players. Mm-hmm. So, again, it may be harsh, but just there's not a lot of NHL fans, I think, who are huge gamers. Yeah. There's really not much online presence of the NHL game series. Like, there's a whole community of YouTubers for... You look at FIFA, you look at Madden, you look at 2K. There's thriving communities of gamers who play those and have a fantastic following online. Mm -hmm. You just don't see that for NHL. It's much more niche, but it's a fun game. I'll give it that. Great gameplay. Number four. My number four, on the note of great gameplay, I will contrast that with NBA 2K. There's not a lot to say. While there is a lot to say, but there's not much to say. I have NBA at number three. Sorry to spoil it. But yeah, I agree with you. It's There's not something that just like stands out about it almost. But it's just like, it's the NBA. It's players that we love. It's it's just fun to play 2K. But I've played, I think, probably over 4,000 games of FIFA in my life. And I've, and I've broken two controllers while doing it. But still, nothing gets me more angry than 2K sometimes. Like, some of the mechanics and the gameplay... Is, is awful. Lee and I used to play all the time in London, and I was, I think I won like two of the first three games we played, and then I lost like eight straight, and we just rage quit every time because I'd just get so angry at like anything happening. Like, for example, I remember there was one night I was playing with the Los Angeles Lakers trying to use Anthony Davis, who I believe was the cover star. You know, a rule of video games or sport video games if you're the cover star, you are a beast. AD was dreadful for me. I think he had like two points in the first half, and by the time that happened, I was gone. I was out of the room. And then Lee plays with the Lakers the next day, that the next night, or, or whatever it was, the next week. Anthony Davis torches me. I think he had like 25 at half. Whatever it was, he destroyed me. And I, I, I was so upset like and angry because it just brings out the worst in me that I... like. I, I just get out and walk away and they'd be like, Luke, come on, come back. And they're like, no, I can't fucking do that. I cannot play that game. Uh, the number of times <laughs> Luke and I would play NBA 2K and the game wouldn't be finished but by halftime because Luke was just done with the mechanics are too many to count. So the reasons I had for 2K at 4, I love basketball. It's one of my favorite sports. So I'm always going to be a sucker for a basketball video game. Mm-hmm. But... It's pretty much the same game every year in yep. terms of mechanics. Like, from year to year with other games, like FIFA, sometimes Madden, you notice differences in the gameplay. Mm-hmm. 2K feels the same outside every graphics, single year. Outside of graphics, you can go back to 2K12 and 2K21. and It's pretty probably, much the same. Probably not notice much instead besides the players in the game. And like, like you touched on, the thing I'll give 2K credit for, fantastic graphics. Visually, it's a beautiful game. Like, it's very well composed. All of the elements that they throw in visually with the animations... Very well done. But the mechanics of the game kind of suck. If you try and complete a pass that's greater than, like, we'll say 50 feet, it goes 75 feet out of bounds. Yeah, like, do you have the inability to pass? Like, that that would get me the most angry. Like, I'm trying to find someone in the corner who's open. Why is he swinging at the ball with his hands? Why is it coming out of bounds? And the frustrating part is, I can think back to 2K15, and the same problem is still there. They've had the exact same animations that have frustrated users for years. So... Luke, you're number four. My number four is NCAA football, which wouldn't have even been on this list, but because of Big Cat and quarantine, everyone, I think our age, every guy, college guy, or whoever really followed anything that Big Cat was doing, decided to go find their NCAA copy and play it. And I did it. I won the national championship. I'm sure you won the national championship. Of course. Everyone won their own national title. 
So this makes my list because of just that experience. Everyone loves creating a my player and then going, especially in NCAA games. Like you can do that in the NBA, but it takes a while. You can do that in Madden, but it's I don't know. It's 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 fun, but it's just not the same as leading your whatever school you pick to glory to a national title. It's just a lot of fun. And winning the Heisman, it's it's better than winning the MVP in the Madden games. I feel like so. It's just a lot of fun. That's why I have them at four. And the reason why I 2K3, it's just an overall fun game. And like I said, getting to play with guys like LeBron, Steph Curry, James Harden, Giannis, it's a lot of fun. So that type of content within 2K video games will obviously never go anywhere because the players will leave the NBA. <laughs> yep. So for me, I've got NCAA football on my list a little bit in the future. I'll touch on my reasons why. Yeah, so what's your number three? My number three, I have NCAA basketball. So the most recent really? rendition of this game. I hated that NCAA game. NCAA Basketball it was, 10. It was poor. So part of why I have it on here at number three. Because UNC is good. Is because when you get really into that game, you can't stop playing. It's probably the game that I miss playing the most. It's also the game that I feel like, if it had never been discontinued, would be the best today. Because I feel yeah. like... Yeah, you can have a lot of fun with that. In exactly. In terms of what you can do with college basketball. But my memory of playing it... Was it? Are you talking about the one I think Blake Griffin was on the cover and Dick Vitale was the announcer? I hated that game. I, I just despised it. I did <laughs> manually make sure every game that my commentators were set to CBS Sports, not ESPN, because uh, I am a big-time leader of the bandwagon that hates Dick Vitale, one of the worst commentators in college basketball. I'm not going to harp on that. We'll Let's wait. go, baby! We'll wait until February when he's calling, he's calling a UNC Duke game and I can't understand what's happening. But... <laughs> I digress. Back to the list. It's uh, I'm also just a sucker for college basketball. I'm a huge UNC basketball fan. In case any of you don't know, somehow, the 12 of you that are listening, I'm from Chapel Hill, born and raised. Carolina basketball is like religion down there. Um, and you just can't beat it. I stand by that if it was still play, if it was still in circulation today, that game would be unreal mm -hmm. because of all the things that they could do with it. All right, so you're number two is what I mentioned already, NCAA football. So you want to give us your reasoning for why that's so high up. Yes, yeah, so a huge thing for me in this list was staying power. And that game is still very fun. Football games, sometimes in Madden, it's not fun because the mechanics are frankly too realistic. A football game has to be a certain level of unrealistic because if it's like real football, it's not fun. Two-stop start, all these things that can detract from the fun. NCAA football, to this day, in 2020, holds up. It's still fun, like Luke touched on. I went out and got myself a copy of it over quarantine because I wanted to play. Shout out Big Cat. That was awesome. The entire internet was infatuated with you playing a video game at your house. <laughs> I tip my cap to you. But also, there's a huge online commitment from a sub-community of gamers who is very, very dedicated to making sure that the game looks modern. There's an entire community of people who have revamped the jerseys and the stadiums and the fields and then there's always people who update the rosters so for me you can do pretty much anything to make the game feel current and that's a ton of fun so the game maintains relevancy due to quite frankly the community of people who play it so that's mm -hmm. my number two uh who'd you have a number two luke i have madden didn't as make, you guys have didn't make my top five really as, as you guys have probably learned or just figured out over the past couple of weeks i love the nfl it's my favorite league it's I, I literally on Sundays I am glued to my computer watch streaming Red Zone or a TV if I can find one with cable with Red Zone from one to seven thirty till the end of the touchdown montage and then I get to wait thirty minutes and watch the Sunday night game 
and then Monday night, the next night. It's it's just so amazing that Madden itself is probably not a very good game. Probably it gets a lot of shit every single year. But it's not. It's, not it's a like good game. the NBA for me. It's because I get to play with the star players that I just love. And you want to hear something funny? When I was when I was little, and uh, the Cowboys would lose, I'd go on to Madden and play the team that they lost to that day, and just fucking rail them i would just <laughs> that's amazing i would just like that take all my anger out and just use the cowboys and beat them so badly because i i just and it would make me feel so much better although i look at the record they still had the loss in real life but it just made me feel better about myself i respect that a lot i really do respect that what it comes down to for me is i just don't have that much fun playing the game um Honestly, let's just move to number one. Number one for me. For both of us. I mean, for both clear. of us. I literally it's, just said I played over 4,000 games of it earlier. It is arguably the biggest video game franchise, sports or not, in the world. It just gets me so excited and, like, pumped up. Like Luke has been without FIFA for two years. Yeah, so if you haven't caught on by now, the franchise is FIFA. And I discovered... The reason why is because of FIFA Ultimate Team. It is so well done and just... I can't, we can't sit here and explain the entire game mode because it would take probably over an hour. It's You can really go into so much. But I began playing in FIFA 14 because a friend showed me his um, his team of like Messi and Ronaldo, whatever it was. And I was so like fascinated by it that I had the game anyway. So then I was like, let me start this Ultimate Team thing. And I joined in in like April or May, which is like toward the end of the game. It was like Team of the Season was just starting. So it was all those cool looking cards. And I was like, it's pretty cool. So then... FIFA 15 comes out. I played over 1,600 Ultimate Team games in FIFA 15. FIFA 16, 1,200. And FIFA 17, I think a little over 1,000. So, what was that? That's 16, 12, that's 28. Oh, so around 38, 30, nearly 4,000 games. games across three years. Which is absolutely insane if you really break it down. That that's doesn't matter. That's, that's, like, that's, that's just like, game time. That's like, like an Ultimate Team... You, you're building squads, you're checking the market, you're opening packs. There's so much external time outside of games that you're spending on the game that just playing game, playing one game takes 20 minutes. You know what? I'm going to pull if, out the math If right you now. played every day, that would be at least four, almost five games a day for three years. 4,000 4, games times 20 minutes. That's 80,000 minutes. 80,000 minutes divided by 60. That's 1,333 hours, which is 55 days of FIFA. 50, that, that means 55 days, no stopping, no doing anything. Like, you're just on the gameplay the entire time. That's almost two months of gameplay. That's how much I played. And I know Lee's numbers maybe not be 4,000, but they're certainly high. And as we got to school, I did not buy FIFA 18, 19, or 20. But that streak is ending. I'm buying FIFA 21 as soon as possible. But Lee has probably played more games than me up to this point because he's had the last three FIFAs. It's so much fun. And Luke said we can't go fully in-depth about Ultimate Team. But fundamentally what makes it so encapsulating is that FIFA does the best out of every video game in intertwining the real world. So whatever happens in real life and soccer around the world directly affects the ultimate team game mode and that in and of itself adds an element to watching sports Mm -hmm. if you have a player that you like and they play well in real life you can then play with them in a video game yep and soccer fans 
you can argue with me all you want, or arguably some of the most devoted in the world. And it's the sport that across the world is most similar to religion. Ask Lee. I love Gareth Bale because of how good he was in FIFA. I have zero reason to like him outside of the video game. But because he was so good in-game, I literally... Ashley, when he moved to Tottenham, I literally tweeted out goat emojis. Gareth Bale probably isn't even a top 50 player in the world anymore. But I, like, just... It's the impact of FIFA. And I can go... I can name 20 players like that. But it's just the overall impact that the game has had. And like Lee said, that it connects to the real world so well. I mean, back when I was playing... The way Ultimate Team works, one, like one example of it, if they have a base gold card and if they play well that week, then they get an inform, which is just an upgraded card. I would go watch players that I love that I want an inform play. Hopefully they score a goal so they get an inform. It was just like it alters your everyday life and, and interest. It's, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah, that's about all you can say for it. Like it, It's unbeatable and every year there's not a game I look forward to in any way that comes close to the way I look forward to FIFA. It's not close. I know the exact day. I know the exact time. I pre-order the game months in advance. As soon as I can pre-order the game, it's done. 100 bucks out of my bank account. Take my money. You can do it while I'm asleep. I don't care. Take my money. Every year. I don't care. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Glue Guys Podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed all the content, especially that list. We really... Got a little intense there toward the end. And hope you enjoyed my mini rant on the Dallas Cowboys. I was not expecting to go into that. But again, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, assuming there is no more COVID in the area that we are in. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a safe and wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening, guys.